0: Good morning, welcome back to Thursday's edition of Local Sports. What's going on? I'm your host Mikey. How are we doing? This episode is brought to you by Trench University and the Silverback Invitational. Saturday, March 9th, 2pm, West Warwick, Rhode Island. Get your tickets at ticketstailor.com. The event will be at 37 Hepburn Street, West Warwick, Rhode Island. Rhode Island's first one-on-one tournament. Any money made in this event will go to the Pancake Scholarship, helping underprivileged kids compete in sports. Players bring your cleats and your mouthpiece. This event's available from 10 years old all the way up to 18. And go train at Trench University if you're a lineman. Check out their Facebook page, Trench University or Trench U. Hey, welcome to another Can We Keep It Real podcast on the line. Part of the 2019 Freshman Basketball Champions, Sincere Fernandez, Bishop Hendrickson. How you doing, Sincere? Congratulations. Thank you.
1: Good. How are you?
0: All right. How's it feel to be a two-time champion in one season?
1: The best feeling.
0: Really. I. I bet it really is now what's next for you you got baseball coming up are you gonna go hard in baseball and try to make it three championships in one year
1: Oh yeah that's the plan. baseball sort
0: of my thing so. nice yeah I seen some video on Twitter with you in the garage hitting some balls man you know you, you got a nice swing um you know just keep up the hard work you know keep up on your grades because that's very important getting into college Thank you. And before you know it, you'll be a senior. It goes by real fast, you you know, so keep doing your thing. One of the questions I had, when you wear your cold in around town, do you get the people like, oh, wow, you go to Hendricken? Yeah,
1: definitely sometimes. Some people will come up to me, ask me how it is, maybe tease me about how it's all boys, all different kind of stuff.
0: But it's not all boys anymore, right? No, it's still all boys. Oh is it? Okay, alright. Um yeah, Hendricken always been a great school. Now when you transferred Hendricken, you came from Lincoln, I believe. Was there an intimidation factor stepping into a school like Hendricken that has so much rich sports history and the competition must be really, really tough there? Um, yeah, definitely a whole lot
1: different. Um going to Hendricken because you're not exactly different from anyone else. But like coming from your own public school you might be different from everyone else, but everyone that's the best goes hand again. So there's a lot of competition, especially when you get to at C. I it's really the
0: best of the best. And you have to earn your spot on the field, on the court, whatever it is. Yeah, every day at
1: practice, you got to prove yourself because that spot can be taken by the guy right behind you. who might be just as good as you.
0: Nah, you're definitely right. I always like tell people, a lot of coaches I know will put up a white marker board in their gym And they would have the player write their name next to the position they want to challenge for. So other players know, he's looking out for my job. I have to play a little harder. Yeah. Now, do you have a favorite? What's your favorite um, sports teams as far as, like, pro football, basketball, baseball? My
1: favorite basketball team is the Celtics. My favorite football team is the Steelers. My favorite baseball team is the Red Sox.
0: Well, you know, two out of three ain't bad. You're a Steelers fan. Nice. You know, yeah. a lot of people, you know, the Steelers had a tough, you know, they got a lot of problems inside their organization this year. Hopefully they can straighten it out. You know, you like Antonio Brown? Love him. I don't think Love the Steelers him. can afford to get rid of him. I think they have to keep him.
1: No. I they, I feel like they should go in the power to keep him.
0: So now, what are your plans as far as, you know, you're going into the baseball season. Are you doing any, you know, are you training already for baseball? Uh, yeah. I'm starting to
1: train um this week with the Bandit and all that, heading in my garage. And
0: going to Yeah, all that. Nice, nice. You know, now what position are you in baseball?
1: I play a little bit of everything, but to play the outfield and the infield I
0: usually play second and third base. Uh, so you must have some legs on you. You could do some running. You play outfield, you gotta have the arm. You know, second yeah. base is a tough position as well. You always gotta be on top of things. Yeah. And football you was in what position? I
1: was the quarterback.
0: Now the playoffs, the basketball playoffs, what was your experience through them and who was the best team you faced?
1: Um The best team that we faced was probably Mount Pleasant. I feel like they gave us the most problems, but we played really, really well against them. Probably our best game of the season. But just playing against them was really tough because they like, matched our energy
0: level and all that. Well, yeah, Mount Pleasant always had a good basketball program. You know, the, the girls play good, the varsity guys, the freshmen. You know, coaches over there always got Mount Pleasant up there ready, ready yeah. to ball. Now, what was your experience um, yesterday, championship game? Tell me a little bit about that game.
1: Um, We came out not as well as we expected because Tolman, they got a lot of talent over there, too. They really sort of hit us in the mouth in the beginning. We didn't really expect it, but we came back, you know, right we, when we got... To what we knew we could do,
0: we were sort of unstoppable. Well, that's how it happens, you, you know, in the beginning of the game, you get a little nervous, you know, a little edgy, yeah. trying to make every shot count. You really got to pass the ball around. But once you settle down, you get into the second half of the game, you find your rhythm. Bishop Hendricken was able to excel and beat Tolman by a pretty decisive score. Yeah. You know, and so Mount Pleasant was your toughest challenge. Now, what's going on the rest of the year at at Hendrickin? Anything special going on? Um, just baseball season. i brother's doing rugby.
1: The varsity basketball championship's coming up.
0: All right. Now, rugby Hendrickon, I think, is the only Rhode Island school to actually have a rugby team. Who do they play? Yeah,
1: they play. I think they play math this year. I'm not sure, but I
0: think to math. Nice. I see. Now I was talking to your dad about now you played on grass football fields, you played on turf football fields. What do you prefer? And does it what hurts more? Uh I prefer the turf. I feel like it's just easier to move around and like less chance of like tripping on like a hole in the ground. And it's
1: just easier to move around and all that
0: you're absolutely right you know like where my son plays for westerly bulldogs and his field has so many holes you can play golf you know and that's the problem with grass fields is you can't keep up the maintenance there's too many things going on there but before i let you go who do you have to thank for all of your achievements you want to any shout outs to anybody
1: definitely my family for pushing me all my coaches Trainers who
0: helped me get to where I am. All the people who doubted me, saying I can't do it. All well, that just motivates me. And and you got a brother that's pretty good too at, at sports, right? Yeah. Is he your biggest competitor? Oh yeah. So you well, guys challenge each other very hard. Maybe you guys could be like Devin McCordy and his brother one day playing on a championship team, championship game. You know, that, like, what better feeling is there than to not only play with your brother, but play in a big game like that, a big stage? Will you and your brother eventually be on the same team, or will he graduate before you advance? We will be on the same
1: team next year, and then the year after that. He'll be a senior and I'm a junior. So hopefully we can win a couple titles together.
0: Well, nothing will be better than that. Sincere... Congratulations. You're always welcome on my show. You ever want to come on? Um, I'll probably have your brother on in another week, and then maybe I'll have the both of you on at the same time. And, um, yeah, you know, but congratulations and keep doing your thing. More important than sports, keep up them good grades because colleges want players with good grades now. So that's very, very important. And, you know, now one other question on your team. Who's the next up and comer? Tell me some players on your team that excel at what they do that are gonna be someone to keep an eye out for.
1: Well, Brandon Durant, really,
0: that man is just different than everyone else. Nice. Xavier Trust it is it. Out. That's awesome man You know I love hearing About high school ball I love hearing about Players like Xavier Trust Going on to play At Georgia Is he as big As everyone says he is
1: Yeah Walking
0: in the hall You have to almost
1: Duck when he goes Into a classroom That's awesome
0: He's a good kid. My son is close to his size, you know, a little bit more growing to do. But, yo, congratulations to Hendricken! Congratulations to Sincere. I love your name. I love the spelling of it. Um, Shout out to your parents. Shout out to Coach Croft. Shout out to everybody over there at and man. And keep doing your thing. Thank you for coming on the Can We Keep It Real podcast, sports edition. You're invited anytime. Where can people find you? You on social media? If people want to, you know, reach out to you, you know, give you props and stuff. Do you have any uh, Twitter handles? Uh,
1: yeah, my Instagram is just my name, SanjeeFernandies. And my Twitter is 7C, seven, seven, I think.
0: Yes, I think you're right, because I think I, follow, I started following you this morning, but keep doing your thing and keep putting your highlights up on Twitter because that's how a lot of recruiters and national schools recognize a lot of guys. But congratulations, and um, I'll talk to you really soon. Thank you for coming on the, the show. Thanks, Bobby. Well, that was a great interview since San Fernandez over there at Bishop Hendrick and part of the 2019 Freshman Basketball Championship Sincere now won his second championship this season. Football, they won a championship. Freshman basketball, win a championship. So let's see how Sincere does next season going on. Or not next sport, rather. Never mind the next season. This springtime, Bishop Hendrick in baseball. Ryland at the Scholastic League got it going on and thank you to my sponsor highlandmint.com go to highlandmint.com see my boy Maddie Lawson he'll give you some good deals on some nice NFL NBA Major League Baseball sports memorabilia all certified by the NFL official trademark so go check them out and thank you to Westerly Pee Wee Football bringing football to the community since 1964. Go check out Westerly Pee Wee Football and join in your local community sports organization. More going on as we get done with Championship Saturday for Winter Sports. It's your boy Mikey. Always keep it real. We always keep it authentic and always keep balling. What's going on? Before we get back into this, man, I want a big, big shout out to our newest sponsor, A Plus Auto Services, for all your automotive needs. 899 Pontiac Avenue, Cranston, Rhode Island. Give Mikey a call at 401-280-1264. All your automotive needs, whether you want to upgrade your car, truck, motorcycle boat rv you want to put some audio in it some 12 inch single subs imported boxes with rf prime r500 starting at $499 what's better than that amp wiring kits $89.99 go to aplusri.com custom light kits premium auto engine diagnostic radiator flush mikey got you covered cleanest shop in rhode island aplusri.com welcome back um uh, we still got coach ryan mccormick on the phone and ryan actually had the pleasure of knowing working with liam conan if i said it right from the la rams he's the wide receiver coach how you doing coach welcome back and um tell us a little bit about liam
2: all right so I played for his father so Timmy Cohen who's, who's in the, around Coach's the coaches Hall of Fame um, he's in the province Gridiron Club Hall of Fame he's in College Football Hall of Fame he's he had he's kind of was a very impressive influence obviously on his son Coach Cohen was the head coach of Sal Regina for the first eight years of the program um, and never had a losing season and I coached high school before and a little bit of high school after and never had a losing season um, I met Liam when he was at the time, 11 going on 12 years old, he was just a kid. And at the time, Liam, um, you know, been around the program. Actually, no, I, I take that back. I, I met him when he was about eight years old. So, and then by the time I was done playing, he was 12 years old. So, 13 years old. So, he was always around because Liam's an only child, and Coach Cohn, you know, put a lot of time in, like most coaches, um, in recruiting, game planning, designing. So Liam was always around. So he, he basically, for you know, eight years of his life, from the time he was about four or five years old, time he was about 12, 13 years old, was, was in and out almost daily of a college football program that was highly successful. So he got to see football at a really high level. And keep in mind, he was the only child, like day in and day out, so the focus was always on Liam. So he got to really understand football at a very high level you know, I mean, he, he probably knew more going into high school out of middle school than most high school coaches. I mean, yeah. he saw more football, you know. And his and his dad was a very smart coach, one of the smartest coaches I ever met. Um, so even though he was, you know, he would do things at practice like, to kind of help out, either set up drills or like be around the quarterbacks or the offense constantly. You know, so like he, he really he was in meetings. I, I played on defense in college, but I was also the long snap on specials. And you know, he—you know—I'd walk by the offensive meeting room in Salve, and he was always in there. And he was—you know—he'd take notes, which is crazy, cause, like it's a kid, you know. You forget, like—he was a real smart kid. And um, I say kicks him older, but he—I um, got to see the total evolution of Liam Cohen. So when his dad left Salve, which was really kind of weird, thing because he had won, he had gone to at the time. He won five street conference titles in eight years and gone to three bowl games in four years. And I, I was lucky enough to be part of all that. And the four years I played there we only lost five regular season games in four years. So um and they were all close. And he uh you know so Liam got to really be around that. And then when the opportunity opened up at LaSalle Academy, they are looking for a new head coach and he wanted his son to go to a Catholic school because he had taught and coached at for such a long time. He really wanted to have an education for Liam from a character standpoint. It kind of was like the, the ultimate of best of both worlds. He could go there and be at the same high school where his son was going to. So at the time, it was, as me as a player, I'm like, why well, would you leave such a successful college? You we were the best college football teams in the country, literally, in Division three. And for two of my four years, we were the number one defense in the country, statistically. So... Um, so he, you know, he went on to LaSalle, and Liam, when he was a freshman, played freshman football like anyone else because he wanted him to have that experience. And his sophomore year, he had beat out a senior because he was he had evolved so much. And he didn't. And Coach Cohen didn't start him because he was his son. That was not. People had said that out externally. They didn't know the situation. Didn't know. But Liam had progressed so rapidly as a as a football player, as a quarterback. I mean, by the end of his sophomore year, there was NCAA teams to Division One level swooping in to see this kid every week. And by the time he was a senior, he had won them three state titles in a row in Division One, and uh, went on to UMass Amherst. He was recruited by Donnie Brown, who was the head coach there at the time. And Donnie's now the D.C. at Michigan. And he started three games in of his freshman year at UMass Amherst, which is really hard to do. You know, at the time they were FCS before it became FBS. And he brought them to a national title game. And he he lost in a close, really battle royale game. But his junior year, and people don't know that, don't remember this probably, he took Boston College to the wire. And they should have beaten them. He got hurt in the game. He had a bad high ankle sprain. We couldn't even walk the rest of the game. They had to pull him. But he was, before he got hurt, he was going in to take the lead. That was a Boston College team at the time. It was very
0: good. Yeah, because he was a four-year starter for the Minutemen, right? He was a four-year starter, um,
2: three-year-old conference player, brought them to a national title game his, his junior year, um, lost in a battle with, with Montana at the time in a really close game, um, and then took BC to the wire. I think they lost by like six or seven. The only reason they lost because he had to come out of the game. He literally couldn't walk. And right before he got hurt that final drive, and he was – like a Tom Brady esque, just
0: slinging it, marching right down the field. I remember that; it was impressive. And he coached um, for Brown, I think. You are right, and I think the. So, he has, um, so here's, here's his kind of lineage. He thought he was going to get drafted at the time. He came
2: out the same year as Flacco, and there was this, there's all this hype of Flacco being out of that conference, at CAA, at the time. So, and he actually had just as good of numbers. You go look it up. Just Flacco was six foot six and had a real powerful arm.
0: Well it said he actually had um, the fourth best scoring offense in the CAA.
2: Yep. So he, he his first coaching job, he graduated away from UMass. he got a coaching job at Brown as the quarterbacks coach. They left and did one year at URI, um, and then left to go do two years back at Brown. Then he went to UMass Amherst, um, and then he left UMass Amherst to go coach at UMaine, and was very successful at UMaine as a passing game coordinator. And then what happened was he, he had got hired initially in December of, of 2017, late December, when Bobby Chesney became head coach of Holy Cross. He was at, only at Holy Cross a couple months, I don't even think it was a full two months, when the LA Rams out of nowhere contacted him. What happened was it was a guy he had worked with at UMass Amherst that really loved him as a coach and said, hey, Said, said to McVeigh, you know, they've got a lot of young, up-and-coming coaches on the staff. They're really driven, really smart. And say, hey, this is this kid. And he said, you know, I say kid because I'm 42. And you know, Liam's in his early 30s. You really got to look at this. Just a just a really kind of progressive guy, and you know, a very successful career playing, and coaching. And so they brought him in for an interview, and they and they hired him.
0: Now he gets to prepare against his idol, Tom Brady. Because I read an article that said he was a big Patriot fan. He sat in Foxborough Stadium. So now he gets to try to prepare. And that's what he does, right? He prepares for the defense, right? His job there is preparing ways to attack Tom Brady. No, no,
2: no. He, so he's an assistant wide receivers coach. But, so basically they brought him in from my understanding. i talking to Coach Cohen, his dad. and talking to Liam a little bit. Is that he is is the what they call the assistant wide receivers coach, but he kind of helps bridge the gap as a ex quarterback and, and former quarterback coach between the wideouts and the quarterbacks for more of a neurological standpoint as far as like being cerebral. He's really smart, so you know so that's like his niche on the staff is that he he's in all the quarterback meetings, he in the wide receiver meetings, and then the, the passing game meetings, both personnel wise and coaching wise. So he's really kind of a behind the scenes guy with play action stuff. Um, passing concepts. So He's a really integral part of that staff on offense. So um, and, and don't be surprised, five years from now, he's a he's an OC in the NFL. He's really... McVay loves him from my understanding. He was offered the BC offensive coordinator job this past uh, late fall after the season ended at BC, and he turned it down to stay with the Rams. He was offered a $400,000 salary to turn down.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, in the NFL... I mean, I'm sure he's making good money Probably not $400,000 But some people are content with where they're at And he might be trying to build something You know, maybe going forward Like, like you said, a coordinator job in the NFL And when winning teams start to win Their coordinators start to look great Look at New England Patriots, Matt Patricia Never thought he would make a great head coach
2: Yeah, I mean, it's all about situation You gotta be in a good situation um, I think he's in a very good situation, obviously I think he's learning a lot from the guys he's with, which is invaluable. If you can get around people that are really willing to show you their knowledge and show you where, where they learn from, and that's really valuable. I think it's, for him, I think it's a smart move. You know, I, you know, I'm sure the BC job was a was a very intriguing thing financially and otherwise. His grandfather, Coach Cohen's father, Tim Cohen's father, was a was a was a captain at BC many moons ago, and I'm sure that was intriguing to him, but. You know, if he has success in the NFL going forward like he has this year, those type of jobs will always be there. The more you progress upward, and as long as you're around good people, your career continues to go forward. And I think you know, he's a real smart guy. He's not going to say anything dumb in front of the media. Uh, you know, he's, like, again, that goes a long way. He's a really humble kid. I say,
0: again, I say kid. You know, obviously he's a man. Right, because you're older. What? You know, he, he's, a, he's a humble guy.
2: and he He's willing to work, and that and that's why he's been successful. he learned from his dad. His dad was one of the best coaches I've ever... You know, his dad hired me, my first ever job, uh, right before he left Salve, Harvey me as a GA. And then his DC, Arthur Bell, became the head coach and retained me. And I learned a lot from Coach Cohen. So I mean, you've my time playing and my half-year coaching before he left.
0: So you've been in football ever since you were playing football, pretty much, right?
2: Yeah, I've been in football since I
0: was a kid. I mean, that's totally amazing. That that's like a dream for some people. I mean, just to even to, to clean up the stadium af, after a game or get to watch the game. I mean, that that's that is awesome. But um what do you think Liam's doing now to get ready for the Patriots, knowing that you know him?
2: Um knowing him, he's probably breaking down. I mean, they they have to do the required media stuff every day. It's part of their day. That's why the, the, the week leading up to the game is kind of a lot of fanfare and hoopla. So that's, that's something that the, you know, they always have to meet with the, the media you know, during the season is part of what they do weekly. But the week of the Super Bowl, they're doing it daily for hours on end, and that's just part of the, the deal. So when they're not doing that stuff, which just takes up a big portion of your day, unfortunately, it's required by the league, they're breaking down
0: film. They're, they're probably having practice sessions, going over stuff situationally. I mean, because um, mostly yeah, the they got their game plan already set, right? Like Belichick uh, got that Ernie Adams, which is their great. Base of it.
2: I think they're tweaking it. I think they're adding stuff to it. They feel that could give them
0: an edge. Right, but ninety percent of it's probably already like because you know they got so many researchers. I'm sure over the NFL and um, I I know Ernie Adams that Belichick has is phenomenal. Man, that guy is just like he's right up there with Bill Belichick. You just don't see him. You
2: know, yeah, he's kind of more behind the scenes I mean, they all have guys like that that work behind the scenes But I think what Liam's doing right now Is, is probably spend a couple hours every day Minimally watching film A couple hours in practice A couple hours watching film with their players Showing the concepts they're trying to establish And then I think they're also meeting with the staff Saying, well, if this happens during the game Kind of like playing Devil's Advocate If this happens, what is our answer going to be? You, know, you, you always, in the NFL it's Everything's situational football so they got to be very ready for if something crazy like blah happens. How fast are we going to react to to make it not a, a worse situation? Or if we have a good situation where we have a turnover. How fast can we get points of turnover to, to to get an edge? And so the NFL is a very you spend hours and hours and hours watching film and preparing. It's it's a twenty hour a day job, and those guys aren't getting a lot of sleep this week.
0: Right. You know. Bro. Before we but, jump. But the but the but the reward is worth <laughs> it. So. You know, you think of the number
2: of guys that were coached in a Super Bowl. There's been fifty-something Super Bowls, Mike. Each team has about, for just coaches, not the support staff and the trainers, about a dozen or so coaches on staff. And, and some guys have coached in multiple Super Bowls, multiple places. You're talking the top, you know, thousand, you know, twelve, fifteen hundred guys ever in the history of the NFL, and half of them aren't even alive anymore. It's so really yeah. talking the top a thousand eight hundred guys ever that are still walking the earth. So that's a really high-level person.
0: No, yeah, you absolutely right. It's incredible.
2: So, and I, You know, I, I think he realizes the opportunity. The Rams are a good team. Do they have the firepower to beat the Patch? Um, possibly, yeah. I mean, so it, it's going to be a good game. You know, this, I do not think it's going to be a blowout either way. If I was to look at these two teams, I think they're really smart coaches. A little bit different philosophies, but similar in theory that they will all work really hard. And I, I think they're going to come out... Both teams are going to come out guns blazing. Um, I think it's going to be... This is going to be a fun game to watch. It's, it, for me, it's tough because, you know... Liam's dad was such a big, integral part of my coaching career. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be torn.
0: You blazing. want that for him. Yeah,
2: of course. I mean, you, you want him to be successful because... It just proves who taught me, who started my career... What he was teaching his son... As, as a young coach was the right information.
0: It just kind of proves where you built your base from. Exactly. Which, now. which if you look to the lineage of Coach Cohen's former assistants
2: where they're all coaching in high school and college, they're all very successful.
0: Everywhere. Now, I'm sure um, Liam's in his hotel room, right? Waiting for me to drop my next podcast? Now, nah. But, <laughs> what words of know. encouragement? Yeah, exactly. What words would you tell him right now if you had to give him a message?
2: Um... I don't know how much encouragement he'd really need. He's pretty locked in.
0: But well, you're um, someone that comes enjoying from his moment, past.
2: One, um, number two, you know, it, mentally to make it so it's not overwhelming, it's it's just another game. And number three, l- remember where he, his, his uh, teachings from his dad and his former coaches he's been around through his career. You know, he's had a lot of good coaches around him that have taught him to build him up to what he is. And just take those teachings and and uh, use it as fuel and information to to be successful. And he's he's done that. So I mean, it's no surprise that he's where he's at. It is to other people, but not me. You know, I, I, I could I could see I could see how he's going to continue to be successful forward. Yeah. I mean, don't be surprised. You know, Bill Belichick and his a you know spot in his staff tries to poach him. You know, he, he always brings in young smart guys that he can continue to evolve and build up. And uh, he's that type of molder guy. He's real smart. You meet him, you, you like him, Like He's a really down-to-earth kid, but he's really smart.
0: That's awesome. I like the fact that we have another Rhode Islander stepping up big, you know, because there's a lot of people that go unsung or they don't get the recognition. But, I mean, he's in a spotlight where you can't hide in a corner and not get noticed. But congratulations oh, yeah. to Liam, man. That's awesome to have a Rhode Island history in the super bowl and you know which it ain't the first time but it's awesome that he's there and you can attest to his father's coaching skills because his father taught you a lot of what you know and you bring to the field today
2: oh yeah i mean i I don't talk to his father daily or weekly but i i I always try to check in with coach Collin periodically um he's a good guy i messaged him after that game when they won and he was you know ultra excited he was at the game um, and that's where I got that picture was from his dad. There's a picture with Liam and their one of the assistant coaches with the NFC, uh, conference, NFC Conference Championship Trophy, and that's a really, um, really awesome picture. You know, great picture. And I'm sure his dad is ultra proud, um, and 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 justifiably so. You know, his, his son worked really hard to do what he's done. His playing and coaching
0: career oh yeah definitely know? I mean the Patriots just look so fired up after that Miami game I said they look like a totally different team like they're just yeah, on I mean, point
2: they've, they've got something to prove too so I, I think it's I think it's a good matchup I'm excited I think if anyone doesn't realize this is going to be a good game they're kind of fooling themselves I think this is going to be a fun game to watch
0: who you plays know? the underdog card better than the Patriots
2: well it's a way that they're using it as fuel I think um, smart way to go. You know, they know they, they know the Rams got firepower, and they know they got good kids in D, good guys in O, good coaches. You know, there's a reason those four teams were there at the end in the, in the AFC and NFC Championship games. Those were the four best teams. Yeah, you
0: know, Saints, they definitely the Rams, the, were. The Chiefs, the
2: Pats, and don't be surprised going forward, those four teams are around the end again. For, for a little while I mean those four
0: good football teams Terrell Owens will say that if the Rams win you need to put an asterisk next to it because of the blown call you know do yeah, you think every game like this I mean the problem is the media focus on that but there's other calls that could lead to other drives and more scores there, no so the Saints had plenty of chances to win that game you know course, what I mean before it, that
2: it never comes to, it, it, the media will focus on that because so easy to focus on and, uh, and, I, and actually, I, I liked all four teams at the end. They were all four real good football teams. And I said, these teams all have firepower, all have good coaches, all have good players. Um, they have the least amount of off-the-field drama,
0: really, when you look at it, compared to other teams in the league. Yeah, you know, and I they, mean... they all four deserve
2: to be there, so, for different variables... Um, but
0: just the way that whole play went down, and then you had all the, the Twitter investigators that were investigating the case... Oh, yeah, I mean, and people... Is
2: a, if you throw
0: a stone, you can find a. Um, yeah, a definitely. Guy he, they, but you seen a referee? You seen a referee running up, yelling at the other referee, saying, "Don't you throw that flag?" And then it comes to find out that some of them referees were from L.A. One of the referees was actually um, a former Ram. I mean, but I know it's so fast, but it happens. Should the NFL have someone up in the booth that could say, "Hey, that was a flag. Throw it."
2: Well, it has to do with, with every year the, the rules change a little bit as far as everything in the league, and the and the, and the owners and the and the the clo- the coaches vote on this stuff. So they go into big meetings; they all vote on it. The same thing happens FC level. Our ads vote on stuff with our head coaches. So I mean, depends if the rules allow for that to be reviewable or not. And they can change that and fix it, but it, it's never going to be perfect. It's hard, like nothing, because there's human error. It's never going to be perfect. You know, people say, well, it was because they were L.A. guys. (sighs) That's a big level stage.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And I'm just saying that, you know, that's just what people are saying. But um, I don't know.
2: There's been so many calls over the years that could have gone either
0: way. for. But for a big call, this was like, I think this was one of the worst blown calls because it affected a Super Bowl game. It affected who goes at a crucial point. Yeah. Now you know, I,
2: I get it, you
0: know. But I mean, I the Rams call, deserve no gets, to beat it. No
2: me that way, and calls over my career that have helped me in that way. So. Yeah,
0: I mean, they can't review pass interference. No way. It'll just be too many games, too long. Now the overtime thing with the New England thing, right? Kansas City don't get to touch the ball. College does it a different way. Should both offenses be allowed at least one possession? Well, I mean, it's.
2: It, 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 I I I like how the NFL does it. Because there's been teams that have gotten the ball first, marched down and 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 missed the kick, and marched down and stalled, to, uh, you know, trying to go for go for the win by a touchdown. I mean, it's football. That's part of the
0: game. I mean, I mean, a lot of know. it has to do with prime time and other, you know, TV companies paying big money, and they don't want the game to constantly run so long. And then another part has to do with player safety. They're out there four quarters already.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's in every. They should do this or they should do that. It's 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 tough. I don't I don't I like the way we do it in college, but I also like the NFL and I think there should be a little bit of a difference because it, it makes it different a little bit. If you make it exactly the same the rules then well it becomes vanilla in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. Everybody's got different opinions. So
0: you're you know? gonna be watching the game saying, Yeah, Patriots. Yeah, Rams. Yeah, yeah Patriots
2: again, again it's gonna be tough <laughs> because like you know, I mean I, I just hope it's a great game and whoever wins the end, you know, it's. I hope it doesn't have to come down to like a call or anything. I hope it's just it's none of that controversy. I just want it to be a great game and whoever does the bet most work wins and I hope it helps both teams down the road.
0: I mean, I'm a yeah. diehard Patriot guy and Seattle Seahawks, I thought that. I said, you know what? I'm happy now. And then they get to Atlanta and they go yeah. through them and I was like, this is all bonus. Yeah, I mean, this is all, like, you already made your stuff for the day. This is all extra, I mean, and so, if they win, awesome. If they lose, congratulations to the Rams. I'm not yeah. really going to be bitter about it, you know, but I want to see Brady now do it as many as he can because it's history.
2: Yeah, it's impressive, and it's exciting to watch. And it's definitely
0: intriguing. It's going to be very hard to replicate ever again. No, uh, you would you never, 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 you never. Mike, you never know, man.
2: You know, but I, I, I do agree it would be very hard to replicate.
0: I mean, but yeah, Mike, so. Gotta, I got
2: to run. Um,
0: no, that was great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Ryan. And uh, we'll be in touch. And um, I'll send you a text a little bit later. Thank you very much for coming on again.
2: I appreciate it, Mike.
0: Go Patriot Rams. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Well, thanks for listening. If you like the episode and you want to support more shows like this, make a small donation as low as 99 cents a month. Hit the support button in the Anchor Network. Or you can sponsor an episode highlighting your own school. Hit me up. Can we keep it real? You want to sponsor the show. And thank you to our sponsor, PocketCast.com. PocketCast is... Has all new functions, uh, easy search results, uh, listen without subscribing. So go check out PocketCast.com. It's in your app store or you can go to Google Play Store and download it now. You'll be glad you did. So shout out to PocketCast.com. Let's get into this and thanks for listening and keep coming back and support. Can We Keep It Real Podcast, bringing unsung sports to you. Looks like the Miami Dolphins have already parted ways with a number of veterans as they head into a rebuilding season for 2019, which I said that's best for Miami to do. Miami could next choose to move on from safety Rashid Jones. The Dolphins are likely to place Jones on the trading block in advance of the regular season. Thanks to the extension he signed in 2017, Jones isn't a realistic candidate for release. I mean, he's due more than $13 million in guaranteed salary for next season, and given three years of signing bonuses, prorated, would immediately accelerate onto the Dolphins salary cap if he is cut, so I don't think he's going to be released per se, but If Miami does part ways with Jones before June 1st, it will take on a $25.15 million in dead money. Nearly $8 million more than it will cost Jones on the club's roster. So your minds will probably just keep him around, right? But trading him really could be a possibility. I mean, if he is traded, the guaranteed base salary becomes the responsibility of the team. That's going to acquire him. If the Dolphins are able to deal Jones before June 1st, they're going to incur $12 million in dead money, but it's going to open up more than $5 million worth of new space. After June 1st, that remains to be seen. But Miami would just see $4 million in dead money and create $13 million in cap space with about $8 million of dead money being moved. Into 2020 season Do you want the Dead money 2020 or would you rather Have the dead money this season But it's really unclear whether any Club would have an interest in Jones Especially for that type Of money Pro Football Focus is ranking him As the number 33 safety Among 93 Qualifiers in 2018 But he is also coming Off surgery um, This season but are the Dolphins likely to get a late-round pick in exchange for Jones? But trading Jones would not only clear up cap space for the Dolphins, but it's going to allow the team to play 2018 first-round pick Fitzpatrick as safety, which is where they prefer to position a versatile defensive back. If Jones is gone, Fitzpatrick could line up alongside TJ McDonald, In Miami's secondary. Some NFL owners are worried Antonio Brown's actions might influence other players. The Antonio Brown saga was really a defining story of the NFL season. It dominated news, you know, before the Super Bowl and after the Super Bowl. All the way up until he was traded to the Raiders. I mean, it was the biggest story going on. But the drama didn't end there. The Brown trade has really implications for every team in the NFL. For every player in the NFL who may want to force his way out of his contract in the future. But the league is taking note and they put teams on warning that they are very concerned. Some high ranking sources are saying that the NFL is fearful Brown forcing his way out of contract with three years left will set a dangerous president. Executives were outraged by the move. And one source is saying that the fact that Brown acted like a free agent in picking his new team. Other star players see this and who's to say that they don't want to do the same thing. I mean, I'm even surprised that Pittsburgh decided to cave and meet Brown's demands instead of playing hardball and just saying that's not what the Steelers do. It remains to be seen whether Brown's actions will be inspired other players to follow suit. But the league is getting ready to fight back in case they do. What could the league do? I mean, draft talk is starting to heat up. The latest rumblings that they're hearing a report out of Ole Miss Pro Day that Tony Pauline of DraftAnalysis.com is saying that the Jags and Broncos are both very interested in tight end Dawson Knox. Pauline writes that the Cowboys may have been throwing a lot of love Knox's way, but all three teams really have unsettled futures at tight end. So the interest really makes a lot of sense. Knox is the second tier of tight ends behind top group and it could be a nice pickup in the middle rounds legendary receiver Andre Johnson has joined the Texans front office as an advisor and doesn't plan on stopping there he wants to work his way through the organization and be a front office head one day he's learning the business of the game you know who knows maybe he'll be a GM on the team one day you know, it's great when players, you know, stick around and they go on to, you know, work for the organization. Or they stay involved in football. But what do you think about that? I mean, is Antonio Brown, is, you know, are other players going to fall foresuit? Should have Pittsburgh stay tough and just kept his butt on the bench? You know, what's going to happen? You can't let players dictate where they are going to play. It's your boy, Mikey. Get at me. If you want to be on the show? Let me know. Let's talk some NFL. We'll talk college. You got high school baseball starting up. Lacrosse season begins today. We'll be talking about more about that later on. But thanks for listening. And coming up soon, we're going to have Facebook Live radio show. I believe today is going to be on Sundays, um, probably from 10 to 12 p.m. Every Sunday, and we'll be discussing, you know, Uh, Rhode Island high school football games You know uh, What's going on You know Trying to bring more attention To Rhode Island sports in general You know There's a lot of great players Around the state A lot of good teams A lot of good coaches There's also a lot of bad teams And a lot of bad coaches But You got teams really really stepping up Um, I can't wait to get on with the season Don't go nowhere You want to help support the show Send me an email Can we keep it real 40 at gmail dot com. Thank you for listening and have a great day.